Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. Get off the Bibles this morning. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 11 says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child which she was, when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again this morning in this house, we thank you, Lord, for your presence. Lord, we come here not just to have fellowship with one another, but, Lord, that you would meet us when we come together, and you surely have done that this morning in this house, in this room. And, Lord, even in this time of breaking open the, the bread, Lord, this morning, God, we pray, God, that you would continue to touch our hearts. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would do a work like only you can do. We pray that you would just open your scripture to us, God, in this, this brief moment, God, of preaching this morning. Lord, may yet just stir in our hearts, God, faith we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, most of us know the story behind this verse this morning. If you're familiar with the Old Testament at all, especially the book of Genesis, which is one of my favorite books to read because of its narrative stories that it has in the book of Genesis. And this is one that is an amazing story that and most of us are familiar with it, but if you're not, it's about Abraham and, and Sarah. And God had came to Abraham and Sarah and, and told them that they were going to have a baby boy. Now that's not a, a big deal except for this thing, because there's a lot of couples that have a, a child. The thing about Abraham and Sarah, though, in the story is that Sarah is 75 years old at that time, and then then uh, Abraham is 90, or oh, excuse me, Sarah is 65, and Abraham is 75 at the time they get this news that they're going to have a child. Now, how many would like to have that news when you're 75 years old? No hands. Having a child, and this is kind of what's amazing about the story in itself. 25 years later, however, in a lot of events that I'm not going to discuss this morning, in a lot of events in between, they have this baby boy that God had told them about 25 years previous to that. At this time, now Sarah is of the age 90 years old, and Abraham is 100 years old. And they are finding themselves raising a little baby boy. And that's the story. So this is what that verse relates to. And this was nothing more, nothing short of a miracle from God for this to take place. And even in the time that we live, that we would call, I don't know if we'd call that a miracle or what we would call that, if that was to happen at that age. In this great faith chapter of the Bible, we have the verse describing this event and Sarah's side of the story. How many of you know there's always two sides of the story? And this morning I want to share a few thoughts just on this verse that perhaps can help us have a deeper faith in the Lord that perhaps can help us to see that God does promise things. That maybe we can look with the same eyes that Sarah had when the Lord spoke something and have that type of faith that's in our lives. 
The first thing I want to point out, promise is more than a word. Promise is more than a word. The scripture says here, she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, who is she talking about? She's talking about she judged God faithful because of his promise. You know, as I was preparing this message yesterday, I I researched uh, and, and just wanted to research a little bit about the promises that God has in the Bible for us. One researcher says there's 7,487 promises that are in the Bible that God gives us. That's quite a few. That's enough for all of us, at least four or five each in this room this morning. But then according to my research in in the Strong's Concordance, I wanted to see in the Bible how many times God used the word, I promise you. And according to my research, I could not find it one time where he said, I promise. That's interesting when we talk about there's 7,087 promises from God, but yet he does not use the word promise. Even in this story that we look at this morning with Sarah and God and having, and, and having that baby, it says he promised that, but it does not Read the story, and it doesn't say that God promised this to Sarah. Now, interesting, I thought. It says it very clearly. She judged him faithful, for he had promised. The definition of promise, listen to this just for a moment, because sometimes we forget what the word promise means. It's a declaration by, by one person to another that something will or will not be done giving the person to whom it is made the right to expect the performance of whatever has been said. In other words, it's what I say to you is that I'm saying I'm going to do this very thing. Or I say to you that I'm not going to do this very thing. Oftentimes in our culture, we do not hold ourselves accountable for what we say we will do unless I say I promise you. We've all heard that. But you know, there's some problems with that. Because I remember even growing up, I could look at you and you say, do you promise? And I says, yes, I do. And then, <laughs> y'all all remember that growing up, but my fingers were crossed, so I don't have to do it. Or maybe it's one of those deals where you said, well, I'll do this for you if you'll do that, and I'll keep my promise, you know, I'll do this. And then you, you don't do what you say, and you say, well, we didn't shake on it. See, the definition of promise is if I say I'm going to do it, I do it. If I look at a man in the face and say, I'm going to do this, that's what I'm saying. And that's something we've lost in our culture. But listen, I am so glad that is not how God works. Come on, let me say it again. I'm so glad that is not how God works. Numbers 23, 19 tells us about this about God. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Now the New Living Translation says this, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not a human, so he does not change his mind. Has he spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? 
Let me, let me say this this morning. When God says He will do something, He does not need to use the word promise when He says it. He doesn't need to tag it on. Sarah and Abraham, you're going to have a baby. I promise it to you. When he speaks things, that when we look for the word promise in the Bible, you will never find it where God says that I promise, but you'll find that he says. And let me tell you, when he says something, it is enough to believe it. It is enough to know that God will bring it to pass. He is not man that he's going to make a contract or a deal with you that he's going to weasel out of it because it's not comfortable for him, but he will keep his word. That's God when he makes a promise. That's how he operates. <coughs> Simply put, he does what he says he will do. How many of you like to have more people in your life like that? If I was to tell you, I mean, literally, how many times people have told me, Pastor, or I'll, they may not call me Pastor because I'll be inviting them to church, I'll be there this Sunday. And I'm looking around. And I don't see them. I had one person when I was pastoring in Stanette, I don't know how many times they told me, and they never showed up. You know what I quit doing? I quit asking. Because I know what they said, they didn't mean what they said. And so we find that God is not like that, and oftentimes we look at God as if He is man. We looked at as God, if, if He operates by the rules of our culture, I think it's going to be quite the shock when we realize God does not operate according to a nation's culture, but He operates according to His laws, His rules, His regulations, and what He says. It's going to be a shock for a lot of people. God does not compromise. God does not preach a lukewarm message. But God is certain on what He says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says this, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him amen, to the glory of God through us. Listen to what it says. All the promises are yes and amen that God gives us. Every one of them. This is why Sarah, when she said she judged him faithful, who had promised she understood something about God. If God says it, so be it. If God is going to say this is how it's going to happen, there's not anything, there's not an army big enough, there's not a country big enough, there's not a man powerful enough, no matter what color the house is that he lives in, that can keep God from doing it. Because he's God. And sometimes that needs to be in our mind and our thoughts, realize that we don't need to get shook up because God says certain things are going to happen. God is able. So though it may not say, he may not say, I promise you, what he says, he keeps his word on it. I'm going to ask you this morning, do you judge God to be faithful? Sarah judged God to be faithful in what he said. Do you judge God to be faithful in what he says into your life? Do you judge God to be faithful in the promises that you've read? Because if you do, you're on a great start. You're on a journey that says, I trust you, God. Because that's where trust comes from. Another thought I want to give you this morning is there are many promises in the Bible made to other people, yet not to us. Now, you've got to hang with me just for a moment for this second point. We read this morning of a promise made to an individual. 
Hebrews chapter 11, 11, how many would agree with me this morning? This promise is made to Sarah and made to Abraham. How many of you ladies over the age of 50 want to claim this promise this morning? How many of you ladies over the age of 40 want to claim this promise this morning? Literally, if you've ever raised a few kids, you probably don't want to have one in your 50s. The fact is, is is something that sometimes we need to understand a little bit, that there's a lot of promises in the Bible to other people, but they're not to us. I was at a service one night, and man, the Holy Spirit was moving, and, and the, the preacher that was there is Brother Osborne, I believe it was, and, and, and Bosman, that's who it was, and, 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 and God was moving, and God uses him a lot of times to speak over people's lives. It's not one of those that are speaking wild stuff, but it's stuff that actually is, is, is affirmed whenever he speaks. And, and he, he would do that. And I was in that service, and he spoke over this one and that one over here. And he even gave me a word that night that just changed my life. It rocked my life that night that God spoke through him and answered all these questions. I've told you all about that before. But I, I was talking to another preacher friend and later that, and he said this. He says, you know what? I have come to the conclusion that every word that's spoken over somebody, that is for me also. And I thought, no, it isn't. It's not for you. It was for that person God was speaking it over. It was for that person, his situation, their situation. And he said, I don't care. I'm taking all of that word. And I said, well, you can't. But he, he, he lived that way. But sometimes that's how we look at the Bible when it comes to certain promises in the Bible. We look at a promise, we grab it, even though it was made to somebody else, or even though it was particularly concerning the nation of Israel. Can I tell you, Israel's had a lot of things promised to them that are not ours. And I know you can go, well, I'm you know, drafted into the, into the olive branch and all that. I get all that study and all that. But let me tell you, some of those things spoke to the Old Testament in the, in the Old Testament are really not ours. I'll give you an example. Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, y'all have all seen that. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. One translation is, My plans are for your life. And I'm gonna tell you, I've been just as guilty, as maybe three of you, of using that verse to somebody that's going through a very difficult time. The Lord has promised this. The Lord knows your situation. But you know, if you look into the background of the verse, you'll find that Israel's fixing to took off, be taken into captivity for 70 years. Their whole nation, everything they knew about their life was fixing to be turned upside down. And they were going to lose their home that they lived in. They were going to lose the nation, the temple that they worshiped God in. And, and they were going to be dragged off for 70 years. But God gave them this encouraging promise. And you're looking at it. Jer 
Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, listen, just because I'm taking you into captivity for 70 years and your nation is, looks like it's wiped out, I've got a plan for your life. I'm going to restore your life. I'm going to bring you back into this land. He wanted to give him a hope and encouragement. That is not the Christian's verse to take, but it was Israel's verse to proclaim. It's Israel's verse that when they'd been there 10 years and they were down and they thought, God will never visit us again. They said, get out the Bible. Turn to Jeremiah 29, 11. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe they remembered what God had said through Jeremiah the prophet. So they got a plan for you. You may be deterred just for a little while, but I'm bringing you back into the land. And I know that's a great verse. I love that verse. I truly do. But that promise in that verse was to Israel. Here's another one, Isaiah 43, 2. And I, as I was preparing this, I think, man, you have preached these verses. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. How I many you know that was written also to Israel? It's telling them, I'm going to be with you no matter what you do. And that's a great preaching verse. Oh, it preaches well. And when you walk through the fire, in the waters up here, come on, you can preach it. We've all preached it. Oh, God is with you. He says he'll be with us when we're in the fire and when we're going through the water. Hallelujah. I'm just saying today it preaches well, but it's not our promise. That kind of pops the old bubble, doesn't it? Because it's not written to us. It was written to Israel whenever they were going through a difficult situation and it looked like things were going to all go to the side for them. He says, when you're in the fire, I'm going to be with you. When you're in the water, I'm going to be with you. I am there. I am your God. Could you imagine those words encouraging Israel at that particular moment? Now, I know I'm, I'm messing with you this morning. Because a lot of times we do take those. But they were actually written to somebody else. The scripture we have this morning, it says Sarah. Sarah was told and promised that she would have a baby. Abraham was promised. And many of you said, I don't want that promise. So we can't pick and choose. We need to know who they're written to. See, although we cannot legitimately claim these, we can learn from them. We learn how God operates. We learn what God does when we go through a different time. We can learn things. How many of you know the Bible says all Scripture is profitable? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We can learn from the Old Testament and learn how God was with them in that moment, in that time. And it can give us strength. But remember, there are plenty of promises to go around. A while ago, I said there's 7,487 promises in the Bible. I'm not sure if that's an exact number, but I'm going to tell you that's quite a few promises. There was a story about Esau and Jacob. Jacob went and stole his brother's blessing. Back then, it was a huge thing to go and steal your older brother's blessing. I had my older brother with me this morning, much older brother. 
with us this morning. His family, it's good to have them. But back then, we all know the story. He, he, he wiggled in between. Not only did he get the blessing, but he got his inheritance. He got everything that it is birthright. The first was birthright, then his inheritance. His mother helped him get it all done. And remember the story. And then Esau went in and he looked at, it looked at uh, Isaac. He says, I'm here, Father. I'm here to receive. I'm here to receive the blessing. He said, and then Isaac says, I've done gave it away. I've already given it away. And listen to what Esau says. And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Because see, back then when the oldest one or whoever got the first blessing, it could not be reversed. It was done. And, he, and Jacob had stolen his brothers, not only his birthright, but also that blessing which was a double portion back then. And so Esau said, is there anything left? Oh, is I, Dad, is there anything left for me to have that you can bless me? And he kind of prayed a little bitty blessing over him. And it wasn't nothing like Jacob got. I'm going to tell you just because this morning that we can look in the Old Testament and, and we can find those promises that were certain individuals or maybe even the nation of Israel and we can get depressed because that's not mine. Jeremiah 29, 11, it's not my, uh, my promise and other promises. But can I tell you this morning, there are plenty of promises to go around. Plenty of promises to go around into our lives that God has given you and me. And we may not be able to claim some in the Old Testament, but we can claim plenty that God has given. I want to read just a few this morning. Promises to the believer. Matthew 3.11 I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me, mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with Holy Ghost and fire. You know who that promise is to? That's to the church today. That's to the believer today. Abraham may have got the great blessing of Isaac, but today we got the great blessing of the Holy Spirit that visited us in this house this morning. The Holy Spirit has been promised under the church today. We don't have to a few to get the Holy Spirit, but the promise is that everybody can be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's a promise from God. All of us can have that promise. That's to us. Listen, here, here's another one for you. James 5, verses 14 and 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the same in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up if he has committed sin. He will be forgiven. Come on, we can pray for the sick and believe for miraculous things. Because it's a promise from the Lord. John 16, 33, These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But listen to what he says. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Come on, you want to put Jeremiah 29, 11? Right there. Put it in there. Some of the, the promises we have in the New Testament, oh, they, they include some of those Old Testament things because, see, God is a God that does not change. If He'll help Israel, if He planned Israel's life, He'll take care of our life. If the world's too difficult for us, if we're cast into the fiery furnace, I'm going to tell you, He says, be of good cheer. I've overcome it. Hallelujah. I've overcome it. I am Jesus. I have took care of your future. 
He is able to be there when we need Him the most. He is God Almighty. Are you tired? Some of you look up, you're resting well this morning. He says this to you. Come to me, all you who labor and heart heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. He says, come, take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, come unto me in this worried world that we live in. John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come on, that's a, that's a promise to you and me. You know, I've been serving the Lord for a while, and every now and then I stumble. How many of you are with me this morning? Got, got uh, Alan in the back. He's the only one. Okay. How many know that you may stumble in your Christian walk? You may lose your temper. You may go somewhere you shouldn't be on the Internet. You may make a mistake in, in your walk with Him. You may actually just be weak at a moment. Whatever it may be, whatever the reason, the reason's not important. But I want you to know a promise from God this morning is that God says if you have sinned, if you have stumbled, if you have fallen, if you will confess your sins unto me, He is faithful. He is just to, forg un uh, to forgive you from all unrighteousness. I'm saying today that is a promise from God. There there's not a more powerful promise in a Christian's life is that he will forgive us when we make mistakes because there's not yet been a perfect Christian and there has yet been a perfect human being other than Jesus Christ himself and we do make mistakes. It's the devil that comes in on your back and says, you're worthless, you're not, God, you, God will never use you. But God says from heaven, he didn't say I promise you, he just said it. Oh, come on, get a hold of it this morning when he says it, believe it, work, live by it, accept it. Oh, have a battle with it and saying, oh no devil, the Lord says I confessed it and I got it before God. He's forgiven and cleansed me from all that unrighteousness. Amen. When we accept what the Lord says and we believe it, it is powerful in our lives. God says believe it. He said it. John 11, verse 25 and 26 says, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection, the life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live, and whosoever lives, believes in me, shall never die. Do you believe him? You know what that is? It's not tagged in with, I promise you this, but it's tagged in from the Lord. He says, if you believe in Jesus Christ and you may breathe your last breath, he says, when you breathe that last breath, you may think you are going to die, but the Bible says you shall never die. Oh, I love it. We've been teaching about the resurrection on Wednesday night, and I'm going to tell you, I'm looking forward to that moment that the trumpet sounds from above and all the dead come up out of those graves and we meet Jesus in the air with these new glorified bodies. Why do I believe that? Why? Because I believe that he is faithful and he's able to do what he says he can do. Sarah says, I believe it because I know he can do it. He is God Almighty who can stop him from performing what his word says. He says, if you will believe in him, hallelujah, if you believe in him, you shall never die. Come on. If we get it into what we think and what we believe, it starts making a difference 
when we read the promises of God. I've got a book in there. It's like this, all the promises of the Lord. And there are a lot of them in there. But see, they do you no good unless you start believing what he says he can do. It makes a difference when we do that. He promises to the sinner. I've been talking about the promises to the believers, and, and, and that's just a few of them. But let me just give you a couple to the sinner this morning. Matthew 25, 41 says this, and this is the word of God. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Come on, I've heard a lot of people say, well, that, that preacher shouldn't use the word hell and, and he shouldn't preach about damnation. I'm going to tell you something. There's a promise from God out there to every sinner that is not right with him that they will spend eternity in hell because they have not received the Redeemer nor the blood of Jesus Christ to wash them clean. That is a promise not from our government and believe me, there's going to be some of our government there. It doesn't matter what man thinks. It doesn't matter. The Bible says you can promise whatever. You don't know whether you'll live tomorrow or not. But the one that penned that says, I live for eternity. I, have, I was there in the beginning. I'm here at the end. I'm the Alpha, the Omega. Nothing changes His word. Hell is there for the sinner. Even though it was created for the devil and his angels. That's a promise from God. It doesn't matter. Listen. You can, you can live like the devil and you can come to me and say, I want you to preach, preach him into heaven. I'm going to tell you, I don't have the power to do that. I don't have the power to do it. It doesn't matter if you can sing, I can only imagine. Because unless you're blood-bought, you're not going there. That's the promise from God. You don't get to go to heaven if you're not living for God. I didn't make it. God's Word says it. That's where we go. But let me tell you another promise from the Lord. Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Come on, that's a promise from the Lord to the sinner. Each one of you, if you've been blood-bought, washed by the sin, you receive that promise as a sinner. You received it as a sinner. I was not saved when I got saved. <laughs> I was lost when I got saved. And I heard the preacher preach about hell. And I heard about where I was headed. And then I heard this great message. If I will confess my sin. Hallelujah. If I will believe in my heart that he is raised from the dead. I have a promise from God that he will wash my sin away. And make me new and heal me inside. And heal me in my body. I have that promise from God. So if you're a sinner, you have not only have the promise of hell. But you have a promise of redemption if you confess him as Lord and God of your life. That promise is true. That promise is real. God gives it to us. And sometimes the devil comes along and says, well, he didn't really save you. And you've got to look at him and say, oh, yes, he did. Or you wouldn't be bothering me. That promise is from the Lord. Both of them. I thank God. I'm going to tell you what. If I can take the easy way, that's what I'm doing. But serving the Lord's not all that easy. 
Can I tell you this morning, there are just a few of his, these are just a few of his promises that are ours. You read through the New Testament, you read Psalms, and there's a lot of promises there that God has given us. And there are many more that I cannot cover this morning in this short little span of space. But let me tell you, 2 Corinthians 1.20, let me remind you, it says, For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Every promise is yes and amen to God. What does that mean? He says, what I said, I will perform. What I said, I will perform. The promises of God. Last thought this morning. A promise from God can produce faith for a miracle. A promise from God can produce faith for a miracle. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Faith comes by hearing. We all know that. At least that's what the Word says. She heard what God had said. She believed what God had said. She acted upon what God had said. And she received strength from what God had said. And she had a baby boy just like God had said. Come on, she had the promise. The promise brought faith in her life because she knew who it was that was speaking the promise. There's a lot of, we've already been there, but there's a lot of people can tell you they're going to do something. You never see them. I had a man in Campo, he says, he came up, we just need some electrical work done, and he says, yeah, we didn't have a much, very much money in the bank, but he says, I'm going to tell you something, Pastor. I'm going to rewire your whole church for free. I go, wow, what a blessing. Pastor's like free. And I told a couple of the people in the church, they just kind of smirked at me. They knew the guy. I didn't know the guy. I was new in town. But to this day, he never showed up. Never showed up. I was getting big plans out. I'm thinking, well, I'm going to put a microwave in. All kinds of stuff down there in the basement because we didn't have the power to handle it. But he has never showed up. I'm going to tell you, that's not God. And this is what Sarah says, and she confesses it. She heard the promise, and she knew who said it, and she found him faithful, and therefore she received the miracle in her life because she had faith. The promise and the one that gave the promise produced faith in Sarah's life. Come on, get a hold of it this morning. The promise and the one who made the promise produced faith in her life. Pastor Oliver, you'll come. I'm just about done. I could go on, but I'm about done. Let me ask you this morning, what promise of God do you need to produce faith in your life this morning? What has God Perhaps maybe, have you been given a personal promise like Sarah? You know, those moments when God speaks into your life, something that does not contradict His Word, but He speaks into your life and says, I am going to do this. 
If you've never been that, that is one of the most wonderful moments in your life when God speaks maybe through somebody and it's not something that you don't, you didn't even think about it, but it's something that God had been working with you on. See, when God speaks, I ask you, what word in the, in the Bible that's been speaking to you this morning? What promise have you read? Although God didn't say, I promise it to you, but he said it and you're going to believe it this morning as a promise what promise do you need to be believing this morning that will produce faith to receive what God would have you to have? Are you here this morning and you need Jesus? Are you here this morning and you've been scared to step out of your pew or out of your seat this morning and come down and, and get your heart right with the Lord? I've got something for you this morning. That is a promise. Those that I've said this morning, that's a promise from God. You may say, I'm too wayward. You don't know the things I did. I'm going to tell you, God's not concerned about where you've been. He's concerned about where you're going. And the Bible says there's not a sin that you commit other than the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that He will not forgive you of. Where are you at this morning? We need to quit playing games with God because God has promised you two things. If you're a sinner, you're going to die in hell or you can confess Him as Lord and King of your life and live for eternity with Him. It's your choice this morning. Believe me, the one has said it. Sarah says, I have found Him faithful to be true and He has brought the promise into her life and she said, by faith I believe it. Where are you at this morning? Do you need to receive that promise that God says, I wash all your sins away? Maybe you're here this morning and you've messed up on your walk with God. I got news for you. He's got a promise. Confess your sins unto Him. He'll clean you from all, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What am I saying this morning? God is able. Maybe you're here and you need healing this morning. See, Martin Luther once said, miracles take place not because they are performed, but because they are believed. Think about that just for a moment. Miracles take place not because they are performed, but because they are believed. Sarah had a baby and Abraham because they believed. Simon Lake believed in the possibilities of a submarine long before it was perfected. The Wright brothers believed in air transportation year before their daring flight at Kitty Hawk. Believe. Peter Elzerbils tells of a rich Christian who had a large company of employees and many of them owed him money. And he was constantly trying to teach them something about Christianity. And one day he, he hit up on a plan. He posted a notice for his employees to see that, to see that said, all those who will come to my office between 11 and 12 o'clock on Thursday morning to present an honest statement of their debts will have them canceled at once. The debtors read the notice with a great deal of skepticism. And on Thursday morning, although they gathered in the street in front of his office, not one of them went to the door. Instead, they gossiped and, gossiped and, and complained about their employer and ridiculed that the notice he had posted, and they said it didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense why he would forgive all of our debt. It doesn't make sense. But finally, at 11.45, one man jumped forward, dashed upstairs into the office, and presented his statement. Why are you here, the rich man asked him, because you promised to cancel the debts of all those 
who come as you instructed. And the other replied, And do you believe the promise? Yes, I do. Why do you believe it? Persisted the employer. Because although it was too much for me to understand, I know that you are a good man and would not deceive anyone. The rich man took the bill and marked it, paid in full. At which the poor man overcome cried out, I knew it, I told them so. And they said it couldn't be true. And now I'm going out to show them. Wait, said his benefactor. It's not quite 12 o'clock and the others are not entitled to any special proof of my sincerity. When the clock struck 12, he allowed the man to go outside that he had forgiven his debt. And he held it up and they all says, and they all start to rush the door. Well, but 12 o'clock had struck. And he says, no, you wouldn't get here when I gave you the time to do it. Now's the time. I promised, I kept my promise for whoever would come into it. I'm going to tell you, it's a sad thing when you know what God has promised you and you don't step out by faith to receive it. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense why God would say, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what your past has been. All I know, I care enough to send my son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and die up on the cross of Calvary that you may come and get your heart right with me. Come on, there's going to be a time. We never know when 12 o'clock hits. But also there's those moments in our life that we've had promises in our life and we don't step out by faith. You know, not step out. God can speak a word in your life and you don't step out by faith to believe it and waste the promise that He's gave you. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what promise do you have in your life that you need faith to be stirred up? See, the title is The Power of a Promise. Faith can come out of that promise if you believe it this morning. Every head bowed just for a moment. Serious moment right here. I want to ask you this morning first, are you here this morning? And you can say to me, Pastor, this morning, if I was to die, I probably would not make it to heaven. And if you can say those words, I'm going to tell you something. That's a serious confession. That's a terrible confession. But this morning, I want to get things right with God. I'm tired of playing the game. The devil said it's going to be fun, but I found it to have a lot of emotional stress and all this stuff in my life. If that's you this morning, says, I am going to receive the other promise that God has made in my life this morning. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to get things right with God this morning. I want to get things right. Amen. Anybody else? Come on. This is the best thing you can ever do in your life. You, God's working on you. You can be stubborn. You can be, amen, another one. Amen. Come on. God is working on you right now. The worst thing that you can do is walk out of here this morning without getting things right with God. I'm asking you right now. Who would say right now, Pastor, I've got some promises that have been going over in my head 
I've got some scriptures that's just been going around and around. I've got a word that God spoke over me that's just been going around and around. And I'm ready to step out by faith and receive that this morning. I'm going to take the action that says, God, I hear you and I count it faithful this morning and I'm going to start living as if I've already got it and I'm going to believe it this morning. Would you raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I'm going to do that this morning. Amen. 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 Hallelujah.